Came in this afternoon? Yes. How did you get here so fast? We've been monitoring all admissions through police and paramedic channels. This one fit the symptoms. You think he's one of them? Well, Mr. Sabastine, I promise you that's what I'm here to find out. Things must be getting pretty bad out there to bring you fellas in. Is this it? Yes. Did you make any requests? Just one. Hey, uh, single black crayon so this evening we're going to be talking about john carpenter's uh, in the mouth of madness which came out in 1994 which stars the amazing sam neill julie carmen and jürgen Prochnow or prognot who knows how it's pronounced <laughs> the, the late great david warner and popping up Completely unexpectedly, Mr. Charlton Heston. And this evening, I'm joined by the author, Robert Parker. <laughs> Chris, how are you doing, man? I'm good, thank you. <laughs> I'm really good. It's so good to be here. And thank you so much, listeners. What you won't know is um, we've tried to do this a little bit for a few weeks now, and Chris was very good enough to give me the grace to come on And because I was determined I have to come on and talk about this movie. So um, thank you for that graciousness. You know, given the plot about this successful horror author, <laughs> I thought, well, what successful horror authors do I know? <laughs> I thought, first words. But, <laughs> so Stephen King wasn't replying to my emails. Uh, <laughs> so I thought I'd just WhatsApp Rob. So, uh, <laughs> And I'm here to dispel some myths about the publishing well, industry while I'm at it. Yes. Yeah, 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 no, no. <laughs> it, it, did, it does, yeah, in, in that, like, weirdo way, it kind of, like... If it's good, um, and, and I was so glad that you asked because, like, um, when you said there is this John Carpenter Sam Neill movie about a writer, I was like, "How in the hell have I not? Not only have I not seen it, how have I not heard of it?" This is why we, this is included in in this one because, you know, everyone knows Car- Carpenter's famous. You know, like the you know Halloween, Escape from New York, and the thing. They're the kind of like I suppose the holy trinity of carpenter's kind of career but some of the others we covered you know the fog and obviously you know prince of darkness and this is that these are these are i think are absolute classics and are probably lesser appreciated and i thought that this one is a prime example of what's in carpenter's back catalog you know maybe wasn't released at the right time or maybe people just didn't quite get it who knows why it didn't land but I think it's a great opportunity to sort of discuss a film that has so much merit. I think he's, he's slowly gaining kind of, you know, more of a kind of cult status. It's John Carpenter, and I think even his misses are always worth watching. I think he's a fantastic filmmaker. Totally agree. And when you say the word, uh, like, um, cult following, like, this has cult status written all mm. over it in, like, massive letters. It's It's got all the hallmarks of this. Um, mm. But there's something, like... Um, it's indelibly Carpenter as well. Like the subject yeah. matter for me is indelibly Carpenter. Um, mm. But then when you watch the movie, the delivery is pure Carpenter. Yeah, I'm trying to think when I, when I first watched it, I was a bit like, huh, it's sort of a John Carpenter film, but it doesn't quite feel like a Carpenter film. And then I went back and watched it, you know, a, a few years later. And it just, it's just grown on me more and more. And I think what's, what's grown on me is 
then I don't think I appreciated the humor. I didn't appreciate the the, the dark humor that runs through all of it. It just went straight over my head. And the more I watch it, the more I find I'm laughing out loud. Yeah. Some of the dialogue, Sam Neill's performance, just just how incredible <laughs> it is and just how, we, how weird it is. And it's just like, this is just John Carpenter. This, I'm just going to do this. Like, don't care if people don't watch it. Can, can I throw oh. in, like, mad soundtrack choices as well? Like, you know, yes. insane <laughs> rock credit music that is, like, well, yeah, rock that was, credits, that was, credit tunes. Yeah. Yes, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I'm so excited. I've got a big underscore for that. Oh, I'm so excited because, like, when it came on, like, I'd settled down to watch it and then, like, it started rolling. I was like, holy hell. And my eyes were getting wider and wider. Like, this is unbelievably rad, you know? Um, Yeah. It really gets you, I suppose, like... um, well, let's let's just, just, just might as well just talk about it. So it kind of it opens with the like a printing press, doesn't it? Yeah. Of of, 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 of Sutter Kane, who's the the famous successful horror author, starts off with like John Carpenter's version of Enter Sandman by like Metallica. <laughs> it's like it's really weird. Like it's not what I expected at all. And where every time I watch it, I'm kind of slightly surprised because it's so like heavy and like. But, like, gnarly at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, this is the first time that the pub- publishing world has ever looked edgy. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, no, it was, uh, like, I mean, I found it fascinating, obviously, because of, you know, my job to see this. Um, because I believe that, the, you know, a lot of the the same things happen now. You know, when you're printing a book, the same it's the same big mass um, industrial presses, etc. Um, so I found it amazing, uh, but the fact that it was the the muse, this music was playing over it was just barnstorming. Unmistakably, John Carpenter's guitars, the music in particularly his later ones when he started to go kind of move away from like synths and keyboards and stuff, and did more kind of full on kind of rock kind of scores. Part of me is like a bit sort of like. Oh, you know, like your embarrassing uncle kind of <laughs> gets his guitar out. <laughs> yeah. But then other time I'm like, this is great. This yeah. is, you know, I'm I, loving I, it. I, there's no one else who could get away with it. <laughs> yeah. There's absolutely yeah. no one. And I think that's, that's probably where true. the charm lies, actually. You know, yeah. it's John Carpenter. If it was anybody else, mm-hmm. there's just no way. The massive printing press. Yeah. Metallica-esque score. No, it's not an interesting choice because it's not, you would expect like a John Carpenter film, it might be a bit spooky, it might be a little like setting, you know, a bit of synth, a bit easy, but no, it's like it's falls to the wall. It's like, like a Van Damme heavy. movie. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm expecting <laughs> double impact to, to yeah, get off here at this point. Um, the great thing about Carpenter as well, like with his control over everything as well, or, or his stamp being on everything, is um, never once in his movies do I feel like he's, um, taking the audience for granted, or is he taking the Mickey out of the audience? Like it's like it's pure. So much of it is like, and I don't want to say fan service, but it feels a bit like that. Like he he does so much for for his audience. I feel. You know, I wish a lot of filmmakers nowadays. It's like this is what I do, and I'm going to do it as well as I possibly can because this is what I love, and this is what my fans and whether it's my readers yeah. or whether it's the viewers love as well. So let's not pretend this is high art and not to say that it isn't artistic at all because I think all of his films are are incredibly well made and artistic but it is the sum of its parts and and, and and often more than that you know when you look on paper you think some of the films he makes like right so it's about a guy who murders babysitters right okay (laughs) you know it's like 
this alien that takes the form of other people but turns out to be like one of the best regardless of you know genre one of the greatest thrillers or horror films or you know studies of human you know kind of you know it's just like this is this guy is on fire when it, when it, particularly during that period but no i just think he's a, he's just a really classy filmmaker who always tried his best and sometimes like you say sometimes it doesn't land does it it's just like it's either it's, the zeitgeist is we, we're not really into sort of lovecraftian kind of stuff at this at the moment no. we want more kind of like grounded realistic horror so it just you know, goes into the ether, doesn't it? And people forget about it until, you know, some loser decides to do a podcast about <laughs> it. <laughs> no, what, I, what I love about filmmakers like Carpenter is that it, like, it doesn't... Um, the, there's so much nobility in the attempt of greatness. You know, like, if you try something, you know, that's completely off the wall, mm-hmm. even if you fail, it's the fact you tried yeah, that yeah, I yeah. really appreciate. I have to be honest, it's the same with M. Night Shyamalan. I, like, I mm. love, even his failures, I just, he, he shot for the stars, fell short, mm. but in the effort, that's wonderful, you know. I have to be honest, on, on FYR, on For Your Reconsideration, sorry, listeners, we talked about um, uh, The Neon Demon, which is a Nicholas Windig Reffin movie, and I felt so like used and cheated by that movie you know what i mean like like uh so grim and dirty afterwards yeah. um and then you know like we we were imagining him in his monogram bathrobe sniffing his own farts because that's absolutely <laughs> absolutely what that guy would do uh but but it's like you don't get any of that with this you know this is like he Carpenter pushes and pushes and pushes that envelope and does it in such inventive ways as well. And in this film, I think there's the stuff that you haven't seen before from him. I think that's why, again, maybe that's why it didn't kind of land is that people were expecting something of him. You know, obviously this wasn't written by him. This was written by Michael DeLuca, who is only really other co- writing kind of credit is for the Judge Dredd Stallone film. <laughs> he's a kind of like an odd an odd choice. I think he's just basically someone who wanted to work in the film industry. He ended up being writing this script, wrote a few contributed to a few other things. And then it'd be like a producer and president of production at New Line oh at DreamWorks. He's now currently the co chair for MGM and War and, and Seriously. No, he was at MGM and he's now at Warner Brothers. So he's kind of not you know, he's like, not a journeyman. No, he's like absolute author, like right? present day Hollywood royalty, essentially. Yeah, yeah, just like shot straight up. So it's kind of like an odd, you know. That I suppose in the mouth of madness is the oddest thing in his CV, <laughs> yeah. um, as opposed to John Carpenter's the insane outlier in his CV. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, she's just amazing. Hello, crime fans. I'm Sean Coleman. I'm Chris McDonald, and I'm Rob Parker. We are crime authors. Well. I'm a publisher too. And I'm a giggling buffoon. (laughs) (laughs) We are the Blood Brothers and this is our podcast. Every week we speak to the best and brightest in the world of crime fiction. And embarrass ourselves hugely. No, that's just you. Yeah, definitely just you. Great. Coming to you from the Pod Dojo Network. And sponsored by Red Dog Press. We've got new episodes heading your way all the time. With giveaways and games. Interviews and insight. And laughter. Lots of laughter. Check us out now. On all your favourite streaming services. And give us five stars so we can't be our own one-star superstar. The Blood Brothers Podcast, your one-stop shop for the best crime chit-chat. 
And yeah. then you get this sort of psychiatric kind of hospital opening and then you see Sam Neill for the first time oh. and being dragged in. It's just like, it's Sam Neill. He's, it is. And he's got such, I mean, the first thing you hear really is like these, he's got these brilliant struggle noises in his yeah. repertoire. Like, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> he, he's so great at that. That yeah. stuff. Um, and I, he is so watchable, isn't he? Yeah, great <laughs> screen presence. And and he, uh, and and in this film, obviously, this his performance in going from kind of like you first meet him being dragged into this hospital, mental hospital, looking very deranged, yeah. uh, fighting with the guards <laughs> and stuff. And I look, there's a, there's a, a brilliant <laughs> bit where he gets thrown into the uh, into the cell and he shouts out to the guard, "I'm sorry about the ball. It was a lucky <laughs> shot. That's all." <laughs> It's so good. It's so, and he delivers it with such honesty as well. Yeah. Such good. I'm brilliant. sorry. It's, yeah. it's oh, it's super. And this is where we've got John Glover as well in this scene. Oh, I know. He was so like, great. Thrown in for oh. like what a handful of lines. He's just he's just there, isn't he? And he, you know. All these great faces, yeah, um, and what an actor he is! Oh it? yeah, I love I love it when you have a movie when th- there are people of like recognizable, mm. but not just recognizable face, but recognizable caliber around as well. Because yes. it enriches that movie ex- experience so mm-hmm. so much. So having like. You know, obviously, as we as we know how the the film sort of like is structured and it's sort of bookended with these these sequences. Um, mm. Having, I, I don't want to jump ahead, but having Glover and David Warner. Uh, as part yeah. of these, it's just like oh, it's, yeah. it's like a treat, isn't it? In a way. Speak of David Warner, and there he, he appears. He's just he turns up at the hospital, doesn't he? There's all sorts of references to like basically the world's falling apart, everything's turning to shit, and so that that he's one of them or something. So he's obviously straight off. You're thinking, oh well, what what's happening here? And you basically get it's David Warner. It then flashes back to Sam Neill explaining how he got there, you know, from the, from the be- very beginning kind of thing. And, um, yeah, it's just like, again, more great character actors like Peter Jason and Bernie Casey from Never Say Never Again. He was yes, Felix yes. in that. Like, yeah. I know him. I yeah. love it. Like you were saying, it's like there's so many recognized faces and there's so, such great character actors like Peter Jason, who's basically doing like insurance fraud, isn't he? He's been, in, he was in quite a few kind of, um, Carpenter's films, but, to see him, he's like the perfectly cast, cannot trust him, sleazy bloke who's cheating on his wife, you know, he's cheating <laughs> yeah. on, you know, his, yeah. his insurance claim. And it's it's just it's just a great introduction. He um, he's fa- he's fabulous in that as well. Like it's such a small yeah. role, but it's just yeah. it, it it does so much for Sam Neill's character. Yes. His presence and his uh, performance. They always say like half the battle is you know, is in, in, in casting. Mm. He just delivers it perfectly well. You know exactly what that character is. He's memorable, and they all bounce off each other. And it's just, it's just a great little scene setting up what Sam Neill does, which is, a, you know, an insurance claim kind of investigator. So it's the he, best you know, of business as well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, smoking yeah. copious amounts. Honestly, of how much he smoke in this movie? <laughs> oh my god! It, how he's still with us, I don't know. After this movie, <laughs> but does the, uh, the um, there is something about that. A guy in a suit who's better than everybody else. Yeah. It made me feel, or better is his job than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Gave me a slight Wall Street vibe. Th- yeah. These early, early scenes. The scene. confident, you know, white bloke in a suit. Yeah, double breasted. You know, it's like, yes, yes. <laughs> 
the next scene is probably my favorite scene of the entire film. So this is where Sam Neill goes for coffee with um, his <laughs> boss, essentially, yeah. Bernie. And they're just chatting about various <laughs> things in the next case. And there's this little glimmers of like what's happening. There's something going on outside, and I love the way that Carpenter d- directs it because it's it doesn't he doesn't make, he doesn't feel forced. It's not too sort of flashy. It's just he, he, he keeps these you know people talking in the coffee shop, and he shoots sort of with a you know a lens that allows the the background to be in kind of focus as well. And this bloke just leaves this like comic book or bookshop with yep. an axe <laughs> and and it's like you, you get a little bit he leaves it comes back to them and then you just sort of see it almost like in 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 real time with him well it just walks across getting the closer road, and closer and closer yeah. essentially while they're still having a chat mm. it's it's a because it, it, it's got that because of the geography of it mm. it feels like an action set piece you know mm. because it's it's so well blocked and so well staged that you see the cameras between um, Bernie and uh, oh, I, I always uh, Trent is is yeah. his name isn't it Trent, um, and and as as we look between them as this figure is getting closer and closer, it's 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 just so well put together and it's brilliant. Mm. It was actually this you know when you said has anyone seen this movie. Um, in one of our various WhatsApp groups. And I, I was like, hmm. And I, I went on, looked for the trailer. This was the bit in the trailer. I was like, well, Yamo be watching this. <laughs> I've got to get all over this. <laughs> there's a bit of, I don't know, there's like there's, there's a sense of kind of confusion. You don't know what's happening. You don't know what's going to sort of happen. You don't know what the character's going to do. There's a sort of sense of dread. You know something awful is going to happen. <laughs> but you have no idea what's going what, to, why, why this is happening. And the fact that he comes up to the window and he's all like, he's saying to, you know, smashes the window and, you know, and leans over him and says, do you read Sutter Kane? And you get this close up. He's like, his eyeballs have like got double pupils or something. They have, yeah. It's really, really strange. And then it's what an introduction to a film. Kane is, um, Kane is Stephen King, essentially, isn't it? Yeah, um, Carpenter yeah. and King were buddies, is that right? Um, yeah. So basically, what the, the plot is, Sam Neill gets asked by the publishing company to investigate basically this famous Stephen King-esque author has disappeared. So it's his job to investigate the whereabouts, what's happening. And Sam Neill in his almost like 40s detective with a smoking cigarette, <laughs> not really thinking this is all bullshit, you know, like corporate, you know, he's very dismissive of it all, thinks that this is just a publicity stunt mm. for the, the new title. And that's where you obviously get to meet Charlton Heston it's it's completely underrated <laughs> it yeah. really is um and he's like i don't i can't work out whether he's chewing the scenery like mad or he's really understated and I, I just like <laughs> the, yeah. in the middle he's just like really good you know yeah. like he's just a really magnetic screen yeah. presence that when he's on the screen you cannot take your eyes off him mm. Charlton Heston, can he ever be understated? It's just, it's either big or Charlton Heston. There's <laughs> yeah. no kind of, you know, yeah. no kind of in between in that. I, I was writing um, a true crime podcast recently, recently about the craze, and I found out that he was, he actually attended the craze trial for murder um, in the public gallery. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. For any particular reason, was he just, just passing by? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it didn't give that detail. It was because huh? he'd, he'd been obviously in, in the clubs that the craze owned. So, I, ah. I, you know, he was lending his, 
I don't know. Weight and intrigue to the well, never, a bit never, of celebrity pizzazz. No, no, never put them together. Honestly, the the craze. That's what I learned. Um, Judy Garland. Sheesh. Um, um, yeah, big. Uh, that's for another time, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and a time when I don't want to be killed. <laughs> <That's> what <laughs> for, for what I learned. We're introduced to Julie Garman, who's the um, his editor. Yes, Linda, his editor. Yeah, so Linda, his editor. styles as he goes on to call. Yes, her. he just calls everyone. <laughs> why would he call her by her first name? <laughs> I know. Um, he, and it starts explaining that this, that that, that Stutter Kane's writing has had, had been known to have an effect on its readers, so that people have become kind of I don't know, like mentally unstable. You know, were, clearly these horror novels were having you know disturbing kind of effect on the on the reader mm. um which for as a publisher they're thinking this is great because people are like buying bookloads of it yes you know, i think she mentions that she thinks that sutter kane thinks that his writing is actually real and that, that the stories that he's writing about you know these like underworlds with it like I say it's very kind of uh lovecraftian yes um, absolutely you know like tentacle monsters and all that kind of stuff yeah and he's writing this book called uh, Hobbs End Horror, which is Hobbs End is a, is a, another reference to uh, Nigel Neal, uh, <laughs> which is another one, another regular one. Nice. I think we might try and do an actual episode. We might try and get someone who actually knows what they're talking about to talk about Nigel Neal. Um, I, don't, I don't. I don't mean you. I mean me. Um, <laughs> oh, I don't, count me in on on the same level of ignorance. Okay. <laughs> There's some really good scenes where it kind of sets up the kind of what's the weirdness that's clearly happening. Yeah. And because this is the third, this is the third in carpenter's you know apocalypse trilogy yeah. sets it up really well this is where the the for me the atmosphere of the film really really ramps mm. up so once we get those sort of stakes that um sutter kane has been writing this book mm. and he sent a couple of chapters over and he owes them the rest um this is something um sadly i'm familiar with <laughs> When you started writing a book and it no longer kind of belongs to you anymore, <laughs> like you've got to get it done by a certain amount of time. And they're waiting for this. They've got the publication date ready. Um, mm -hmm. And this legit is how the publication, uh, sorry, the publishing industry worked. That's all, all totally legit. But they just can't find the guy and the rest of his book. And that's such a cool premise. It really is that mm -hmm. they've got, and then rather than sending, you know, like a, a PI after him or something like that, you know, or hiring someone to go after him. They're sending, you know, the, um, the, the insurance firms because he's not going to deliver the book. So the insurance, mm. they've claimed the insurance. It's that, it's got like a lovely element of 90 sleaze about it. That I really <laughs> yeah. like that it really, really fits. Um, and then he, he rather shamelessly, uh, you know, comes on to, uh, Linda Stiles a little bit at the mm, lift yes. <laughs> suggesting they could go for dinner and all that kind of stuff and yeah. I've never really seen Sam Neill do the no. do that and it was kind of oh hello jig little <laughs> devil um, <laughs> um, but it, then it was he, so he buys the books doesn't he um, and he starts reading them. And that's when the, like, I thought the use of lighting in this film is mm -hmm. just absolutely outstanding like so much with with pure Nothing more than lighting. Carpenter conveys um, Trent's mental isolation and paranoia mm. so, so well throughout this. And none more so than, you know, all, the great introduction to it is when he's reading the books in his apartment. Yeah. And he's got, you know, he's still in the same smoking. clothes, smoking <laughs> endlessly. <laughs> but he's in, in darkness. It's yeah. just all you can see is him. It's just, it's yeah. fabulous. You're sort of brought into the world with this clearly, you know, like you say, the bookend of the, the, the hospital. That's like, you know, this isn't going to end well. 
for for this character how on earth does this character who goes from being so confident and so good at his job to this guy who's like drawing on his face you know <laughs> and who knows what else like sneering shit or whatever <laughs> i think that uh like say once he gets the book and he's just like sat there's like a bit of a, a couple of scenes and then sat there reading smoking and then there's like this there's a, there's a scene where he's walking down the street isn't there and he sees like what sees a poster of the book and it's like some cop beating the shit out of some trout yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? like again it's yeah, like yeah. this is just a bit off and a bit really weird what's what's really kind of happening here and then there's all these other people these you know saying he can see you and oh you know it's just and then has the dream with the cut and then the cop who sat next to him appears and stuff oh some good jump scares yeah yeah oh pooed myself yeah um and and some brilliant um i mean well obviously there's more VFX to talk about mm-hmm. as time goes on, but that's the first sort of real flavour of the sort of the, mm-hmm. like the gross, grotesque elements mm-hmm. to the movie. Um, and it feels like it's all, you know, like um, the fact that it all looks so staged. Incidentally, again, I know, I know I've mentioned it, but the lighting in that alleyway is mm. unreal. Like it, yeah. it's absolutely phenomenal. And because I, I looked at like, there's maybe like 10 oil drums on fire right the way yeah. into the distance. It's just superb. It's the texture that I love mm. from his movies. So vividly wrought on the on, on the screen. You know, like you can... I, I Seriously, you feel like you can reach out, touch and be involved in those worlds. Mm. No matter how fantastical, they feel so indelibly real. And mm. I love the fact that in that realism, he still pushes those boundaries so far. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's, I think that's what makes him so special. It's it certainly in my own personal eyes. Obviously he needs to go on, you know, he needs to try and find out, you know, what the cane is. So he decides, so actually, he, he, isn't he looking at the paper? He's looking at the paperback covers, which I think... Yes. Was, brilliant because they seemed like the most archetypal 90s horror covers i think i've ever seen so so i've got so many on my shelves over mm. there um not so much king Kunt. no dean yeah, Kuntz. Yes. Dean Kuntz, L- yes, loads of dean Kuntz, yeah, yeah. just like that um, <laughs> all black with that raised yeah. silver lettering yeah, yeah um and uh yeah like portentous shapes and whatever yeah uh, it was it. such a great look wasn't it like i was yeah. like when a new one would come out it was i was always like oh hell yes can't <laughs> wait you know gonna get the crap scared out of myself again <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but and then so he he, he notices something and it's mm. he cuts them all out into and like I, like my nerdish head was like how many like paperbacks did they print off you know for this like and, and i want because like can you imagine if there's like on ebay you could get like a, oh, a sutter cane paperback how good that would be to own i was thinking that i was watching when i was looking that and i think when he's in, when he's in the publisher's office where i think charlton heston or maybe it's uh linda's sorry styles is uh looking at some of the artwork isn't it for there's some cutouts yes. for bookshops and i thought Imagine you get your hand on one of them. <laughs> and, and like, oh yeah, they've got hardbacks, and then mm-hmm. later in the bookshops themselves, they've got um, t-shirts and caps. Just maybe, maybe we need stuff. to start looking at a uh, whole line of. Um, I think you might be right here. We might be right here. <laughs> Just for ourselves, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's not been done before, but yeah. <laughs> why not? You know, he goes with this map of what's the mm-hmm. state? Is it New Hampshire? Okay. 
there's a map, isn't there? Because Sutter and Kane had designed the covers, mm. and when he was looking at the covers, he realised that it's basically if you cut, if you rip bits out and put it together, it's a it's a state, or isn't it, or a town? Mm. But it's not actually on the maps or something like that. That's Hobbs End, isn't it's it? It's so good, isn't it? That, it's, it's, I, don't, I don't care. I'm not. I am sort of following. Care. This is it. They're going somewhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's that's how you know economical you can be with storytelling at times, mm. isn't it? Like just uh, just give a you'll destination. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, you'll you'll, you'll catch up. You'll understand. Well, and it doesn't it doesn't really matter. You know that you know that they're off to somewhere. Yeah. They're going to somewhere called Hobbs End. And that's it. And, and, it, then, and it goes like mad road trip for a bit. <laughs> no, no, that's <laughs> another thing. Never expecting this is like no. the, the, the whole like bit in the dark tunnel where there's like a cyclist going past. It's like, what is this? And then he's like old. Oh, no, he's like later. And then he's like running him over. And then he's uh, yeah, like, yeah. The cycles off. What is happening? It doesn't, road he, like, he runs her, runs him over, and then she runs him over. <laughs> <laughs> like they, they take turns in decimating some cyclists for a bit. Um, yeah, uh, it, oh, it's it, but, but like the Americana as well in this. Yeah, I just I love all that stuff and small town America. Yeah, when they arrive, it's because it's dark and suddenly it becomes daylight. Yeah, checking into hotels, little cozy hotels. Oh, yeah, with a, an old lady, you know, checking them in. The granny from Happy Gilmore. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. everything's just a little. And again, it's just like a little bit off. It's like there's no one around. Isn't there some dogs chasing children? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Axes covered in blood in the street. Yeah, like, right. Okay, maybe this isn't. Um, and, but he's you know, but he, he thinks it's all a big stunt, doesn't it? Like yes. they've hired this town to be part of a marketing. He's stunt. so cynical. He's, he yeah, he really <laughs> is, isn't he? Oh, he's been so destroyed by the, <laughs> yeah. the double-breasted suit that he now yeah. believes that this is oh, it, working it, in insurance can do that to a man. Yes, yeah. <laughs> But it's great. And again, like I, I think this is why I, I like Sam Neill's character in this even more is because he is that. Mm. Nothing phases him. And I love that he's just sort of, through most of the film until a little bit later on, he's just like sort of seems to shrug everything off. Like, yes, he does, doesn't he? But it is. I'll just have a cigarette. That's all, yeah. you know, I'll have another cigarette. Well, there's, you know. there's one point he goes um, to a bar, doesn't he? And the bar, do you, <laughs> do you see the bar owner? Uh, he's the 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 guy who runs the bar um oh gosh i'm kind of jumping ahead here chris i'm sorry but it's the guy from the painting in um oh vigo the carpathian yeah it's like how how is this this this, because that that added a lot for me (laughs) Um, similar worlds yeah so yeah yeah. (laughs) but like and sam neil's like orders a drink and he's like i know you're all in on this (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I know this is fancy lighting and like flipping heads out. Like, and then just like, and then like, it like pushes him as if to say, like, this is all the trick. And he's like, the Vigo, the carpet, is like chatting to himself with a shotgun. Yes. And then just oh, like gosh, blows, yeah. his, uh, blows oh. his own head off. And, and even then he's like, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, par for the course by this point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of Because yeah. there's the, the that great moment with the church that I really like. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. The, the when Linda they're in the hotel room um, mm. having checked in him and Styles, and uh, she says, uh, "Oh, he says, 
it's not the book. We're not in the book. Because she's starting to believe at that mm. point that we are in the book. And he says, it's not the book because if you look out the window, there's supposed to be a, you know, a Byzantine church outside. Yeah. And there isn't one. And he opens it to say a bar, uh, show a barn. And she says, ah, but that in the book, that was if you looked out from the east where there is and she did and there is a flipping massive yeah. it's, so it's great isn't it it's, yeah. it's such nice storytelling such nice for the audience that's so yeah. nice to watch that kind of storytelling yes. yeah, we get that, that lovely reveal, reveal yeah mm. really really cool when they, they check in and the, the pet there's like an oil pet there's a painting on the wall oh, yeah, it? like yeah. a couple like it looks like oh a lovely couple like going for a walk holding hands <laughs> next to a river and like they keep changing like they, they, they keep looking the, the heads move a little yeah. bit and it's just like again one of those lovely things it's just like oh, oh I, don't, I don't trust this place yeah I don't like this in any but way. yeah this, <laughs> this, just, and then from then on I suppose but once they get to kind of Hobbs end it's like full blast madness mm. it's just like crazy you know mm. you get like say you get creepy kids at the church you get to finally see Sutter Kane and mm. he's great as you would imagine him to be you know <laughs> styles goes into the church it's like crosses upside down yes. you know he's like proper creepy real affection for the i suppose the lovecraftian kind of horror stephen king horror and yeah. you know it doesn't try and belittle it or you know kind of think it's better than it it's just like this is the kind of horror that we love so we're going to do the same kind of thing which is like creepy blokes creepy kids you know churches with crosses upside down and it just goes a bit kind of like, does he just finish the book while she's there? And there's, yeah. he like bends her head down. Yeah. And she look, reads the, and then there's all these flashes. Her eyes start to yeah. bleed. But like he's, <laughs> and then sort of Kane's got a gremlin on the back of his head. It's so good. I, I don't, <laughs> I've got no, like, because that's never featured again. Like no. that one time, it's like, he's like, well, "We've got, we've got this hanging around. What should we do? We'll put it, put it on the back of his head." Was it, was it Quato from? Strapped to the back of his yeah. head. I don't uh, like, and in the corner of his writing room, which is not a very nice writing room. Let's put it like that. It's in an area of the church which is sort of like been very neglected. Um, but there's a door where there's like banging up, yeah. <laughs> like where the underworld is like constantly trying to get out. It's. so... Oh, God. And it's like all these ideas. Like, So if I was a writer and I was writing about the underworld, what do I think that might be like? Or hell coming to Earth. What, what do I think? And all these boxes get ticked for us. It's, it's great. It is great. I, yeah, I tell you, I was surprised to see Sutter Kane as early as we did. Yes, me too. I, was, yeah, I thought it would be a, a bit of a reveal at the end. Yeah. It's like they arrive, they found him. <laughs> it's like, yeah. in the car, let's go. Yeah, because Sam Neil goes, is that so okay? And she's like, yep. <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> he sets his dogs on everyone, though. <laughs> Again, that's like, it made me laugh that bit. I don't know why. Like, release the hounds kind of <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, the dogs just get coming. <laughs> <laughs> Those small town settings, though, and the whole, you know, the pitchforks at night kind of thing, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. It, it's such an indelibly good horror image, mm. which... Just loved it. Shamelessly loved it. Find out later that the the the, the Mrs. Pickman who mm. runs the hotel, like there's a weird where she's like, you hear like a, you hear like a groan or something, <laughs> kicks the ground. It's like what the. F- <laughs> and it really like that she's got her husband handcuffed to her ankle, <laughs> fully nude. Yeah, like I completely. Want to at least nude. throw a blanket over. <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. Oh, oh. 
<laughs> it's so funny because, uh, like, and I think a lot of these movies, you know, like you say, the humour is there. You're mm. invited to laugh at some of this stuff yes. as well. Yeah, you absolutely yeah, are. Was, yeah, um, and you get some of the great creature designs at this point. And and this oh, is yeah. uh, what I noticed in the credits is another link between uh, this movie and Jurassic Park, which is uh, Greg Nicotero uh, mm. on um, visual effects duty. Yeah. Uh, or partially, you know, in amongst the mm. visual effects team. Um, and I love those, those like, I, 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 I'm a massive slave to uh, the Stan Winston school on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yes. like, yeah, me it's too. It's so it good, isn't it? Oh, it's amazing. I, like, I just can't understand how great these mm. 90s effects, effects houses, uh, 80s, 90s effects houses achieved what they did. And so the names like Nicotero and Phil Tippett and all these guys are mm. just like, craftsmen but artists like yeah again like Innovative. what they do is just uh, astonished at some of the things that they're capable of doing yeah like you know like plastic and latex and all that it looks so believable yeah and the, their understanding of and also their understanding of like how to how it's what's the best way how it will look actually on film yeah with lighting and move it yeah and, uh, it's just uh, I, I wish wizard, how, honestly we will see a, a, a more of a return to you know those like practical effects for particularly in, I suppose in horror films it's always been the case but when you watch what they're, they're capable of it's just mind blowing oh, yeah. what they can do. For me, I think truthfully, the thing is the benchmark of all oh, time creature yeah. effects. I think, and this movie had so many sort of like mm. callbacks and little little deja vu yeah. non- nostalgia points about you know like. And quite right too, because it's a yeah. tentacly little te- little tentacles <laughs> yeah. underneath the doors. It's a tentacly John Carpenter movie. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Why wouldn't you? You know, hop back to that yeah. stuff. Um, but it's also comfortingly brilliant. I've always found them very comforting. I don't know if it's because I just sort of discovered them kind of late night when I was living at home and you know watching them on ITV or Channel Four and like being introduced and then finding oh that's that's him again because it's the bloke who puts his own name above the title it's like well that's quite good to hear there was no IMDb when I was watching yeah. these on TV so then it's like oh okay and then finally getting around you know watching the thing and thinking what have I just witnessed the creature effects in that were totally believable I thought it was just it was I'd never seen anything like it I thought that look yeah. I could almost smell it you know it's just yeah oh, my <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you're so right and and what that added to it as a movie I mean I mean the story would always have been brilliant but the yeah you have to have the execution turn into a quick a brief thing loving but it's quite right too you know well, we will do it one day the hidden britain sign company produces handmade signs and print inspired by british folk horror and unsettling tv film and literature whether you are a fan of mr james haunted children's television or public information films of the 1970s you are sure to find something of interest over at their web store go to hiddenbritain.bigcartel.com or follow them on Twitter at BritainCo for more information and haunted content. Use the code HiddenBritain21 at the checkout to receive 10% off your first order. Terms and conditions apply. Hidden Britain cannot be held responsible for any subsequent hauntings, nightmares, or disturbed childhood flashbacks resulting from the purchase of their signs and prints. What should we get up to in this? <laughs> well, they're in, they're in Hobbs End, and everything is going absolute toilet for mm-hmm. Sam Neill. And uh, Linda is sorry. Styles is showing. Yeah, she's kind of gone 
she's gone to the dark yeah, side. Whatever she's witnessed when Sutter Kane kind of forced her to read the book. Or maybe it's the head at the back of his his own head, the little grim at the back to convert it. Who knows? But then there's like this this they see the cyclist again, don't they? There's the, there's a mob. The, the the there's a great bit where the um I, I think I might be jumping ahead, is it, when they're trying to leave. It's around this kind of set, kind of place because, like you say, once you're in Hob, Hobbs End, it's kind of madness for yes. forty minutes yeah. or so, isn't it? And there's lots of like random scenes that you kind of like they go back. Did they go back to the church? Yeah, they they go to the church a couple of times, I think, mm. and um, uh, uh, like Sam Neil goes for a drink a couple of times as well. Yeah, uh, one ends particularly bad badly with Vigo the cop yeah. <laughs> blasting his own head off. His head off. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Neill just being like, oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> and then stepping back out. And that's really when he's like, right, I'm gonna get out of here now. Yeah. And but he can't leave. Like he, and he can't and he can't leave he can't leave Styles, can he? So yeah. he so he, he sort of rescues there's a mob, he rescues her, he tries to tries to leave and he's <laughs> like some sort of, he is like a nightmare, leaves, and then ends up coming back to the mob yeah. again. They're like, they're, they're like fuck it. Right, and then tries to leave again. And then he, is this is is this the bit where he drives over the cyclists? Yeah, 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 you're right, yeah, yeah. He gets out the car and then Styles does like some sort of ex- oh, yeah. spider walk towards yes. Him. It's like clearly she's. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be rescuing her now. I think it's fair to say she's. She's because like her she's back, doing the spider walk. That's a good <laughs> she's indication. doing the spider walk upside down with her yeah. her, her head the wrong way around. Yeah, and he's like, Styles, get in! <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 don't say that. <laughs> You want to get into a confined space with someone who does the spiral with a head twisted around. What are you thinking? But he's just like, again, cool as a cucumber. Yeah. Uh, it's all a PR yeah. Still, yeah. Still, still PR stuff. <laughs> and they drive yeah. past, they, they, they drive, he drives past. He gets in the car and drives, and then the cyclist, who's got this shock of grey hair, looks yeah. a bit like Gary Oldman in uh, <laughs> Coppola's Dracula. Right? Yeah. And, and Linda's on the back of the... So Styles is on the back yeah. of the... Oh, dear. And he, as he's looking at that, like he looks ahead, and then, oh, God, he's back at the mob again. And, yeah. Oh, dear. But then he makes the incredible decision to just drive through them, which I really liked. <laughs> yeah, I really yeah. enjoyed that. Exactly. It's like, what would I do in this situation? I'm like, I've had enough now. <laughs> I'm out, get out of my way Don't. and that's very much in keeping that's the, that that character definitely would drive through oh, a crowd would. of he children would. and you know, <laughs> people <laughs> but he sees styles doesn't he and and he, he has to swerve the car mm. crashes and uh, he wakes up in confession yeah <laughs> how you doing like, obviously transported back to the church <laughs> and the, the it's sort of Kane on the other side, mm. you know, as as you'd expect, really, isn't it? It's like you know, and he gets handed the the, the manuscript, doesn't he, to d- deliver it back to the publisher? Yes, this is yeah. like this is sort of Kane's kind of like final. It, this is what needs to be done. The, the manuscript needs to be released to the public, kind of thing, and and Sam Neil will be responsible, kind of for that. And then again, there's a great kind of effect where, where Sutter sort of Kane like rips himself open like a page. Yes, which I thought was quite striking. That, and I think worked really well in the yeah. obviously being an author and stuff. I, I loved it in that moment um, when he'd done that and he ripped himself apart, essentially, which was a really good effect. By yeah, the way. yeah, really good. Yeah. Um, as Sam Neil goes over to invest, you know, to have a look at what 
Cain has done to himself. Uh, Styles is reading from the manuscript and reading mm. uh, 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 Trent's action, Sam Neill's acting. Yeah. Uh, actions, you know, it's amazing. Yeah. He stared over into the abyss through the torn hole, mm. that kind of thing. Yeah. It's so good, and it's 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 that bravery and conviction of filmmaking and storytelling again. That it's such a solid story. It's clearly that, that obviously we're talking about you know an author. We're talking about horror and how it has the effect on people. That you do get those really pleasing scenes where you know it's like people reading about what's going to happen or what has happened or what they have read. Like you see that they say the scene with the, where she looks out the window and it's like, Oh no, there should be a church there. Oh no, it's the other window. And then like I say, like people reading, this is what's going to happen. It's like, it's been written and there's nothing you can do about yeah. it. It's, 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 you know, it's on the page and no matter what you do, you know, that we're just going to have to, you will just, you will just play out regardless of what your intentions are kind of thing. And then there's like, the, the, is it the door that's been kind of like heaving, weeping yes. and heaving? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Open. Such a horrendous expression of weeping. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then, uh, so, so, tre- so Sam Neill like runs down this car being chased by it. again, like these amazing, like you don't, you only see glimpses of, oh. but the character designs for these monsters are just brilliant and you, uh, completely in key. I press pause. <sighs> it's so good. I free. Did you do that? Yeah. I yeah. freeze framed it. It was unbelievable. Like what it's you were looking shot. at, and that. Yeah. Like and the the like you say the attention to detail, the level of character design, the level of creature design. Yeah, they're all different, and yeah. you see this morass <clears throat> chasing him. And in the movie itself, you 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 see it for maybe it's like a quarter of a second. Um, you know, when it pulls into focus. Mm. But wow, wow, wow. Just wow. enough, just enough to, to, to so you, I know exactly what's chasing you. They yeah. all look, they, there's no like shortcut. There's no like, no. Oh, it's just like a cardboard cutout that someone's like waving around. No, These yeah. are fully formed character designs for these monsters and they're just like running out, chasing after him. It's just, it's love it. I love, uh, like, and that's one thing, like going back to it. Is that the the stuff that I'd missed, and like yeah. the, the the detail, and like having it on Blu-ray, and like going, man, alive! This looks fantastic. These are these. I want a book of all just the sketches of all these oh, monsters. Yeah, and how they were made. And, uh, I'm just, a big fan of uh, movie concept art, um, mm, and um, yeah. so I have a few um, prints from, you know, like the Jurassic Park ones. To be honest, the Crash, right, yeah. the Crash McCreary stuff is so so yeah. great. Um, but uh, like, I'd love all that stuff. So, I'd, like you say, I'd love to see the original mm. brainstorm designs for mm. what we're seeing here. Is there, so, there might be a record in movie terms, like the most amount of effort that went into a quarter of a second of it, yeah. <laughs> that that wasn't, you know, not like uh, there wasn't a quarter of a second after it that was the same. Mm. It was like just simply a quarter of a second of cinema. Mm. I, I love, I love that. There's like no, no. Let's not cut corners. Yeah, and I'm sure they shot probably loads more that just wasn't used. But when it comes down to what's actually what's the best thing for this film now, we spent a fortune on these characters and these monsters and having them made. Mm, Just we'll just flash them up for a few seconds. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what that's more frightening. You understand? Yeah, you can't quite see it because you can't quite like. So you start filling in the gaps and thinking, oh man, that was more horrific than actually if you did see it clearly. Yeah. Oh, that's a bit goofy looking. But the, the the designs are, are are brilliant, and then for him to just show the bare minimum. Oh, again, it's, yeah, it's just, you're I can't so right. You're so right. Gets it. 
it it does totally because the amount that you see in that in that very small amount of time is like roiling glistening chasing skin isn't it and you know like tentacles and teeth and eyes and oh it's a horrible mass that's chasing him <laughs> so good I was not to like about this. I know, I know. You watch this film again. But if you like movies, like, how can you not like this? I I wouldn't understand. Anyone who says they don't. You know, Carpenter's films, they're always fun. They're always great. Never feels like a drag. Never feels like, you know, oh, this is a bit, you know, pretentious. It's like, there's there's just a a love of film and filmmaking in all these films. And, like, this is the story. Um, and it's, it might be a genre film. So what? I'll treat it as well as anything. But yeah. So you like action movies and you love the stars who perform their own stunts, right? Okay, stop. That's not what this show is. We visit movies from the archive and explore the stunt performer's role in creating the magic you see on screen. We take a deep dive into the stunt itself and break it down so you can better understand how important the stunt performers are to big and small screen productions. Join me, John Orty, every Wednesday for the podcast and every Friday for the YouTube episode. Action Movie Secrets every week when we go behind the stunts. Find it wherever you find your podcasts. Sam Neill manages to escape Hobbs End, just turns up at like a crossroads with the manuscript. You know? <laughs> yes. And obviously he then tries to tries to destroy it. And he obviously it's not it's not gonna happen. He's not, well, he it's leaves not it initially, doesn't yeah, he? Like, he does, yeah. just, like it was it's in like a lovely presentation box and he's like, Nope. Yeah. So, and and the kid that he sees is uh what's his name? Hayden Christensen. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah. yeah, from the Star Wars movies. He's so good with that kid as well. <laughs> He's he's back to his like, I don't know. He's not he's not quite back to his totally sardonic, cynical best. Mm. He's a ruffled cynicism at this yeah. point. Yeah. Um, but it's it's just all great. One of one of my favourite line again, another brilliant line is when Sutter Kane kind of reappears, and he's all like, "I'm God now," and Sam Neill goes. God's not meant to be a hack horror writer. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, burn. <laughs> yes. There are um, so many good lines. Yeah. And all like deliberately per- perfectly. Yeah. You know, like yeah. just, oh, <laughs> it's such a satisfying film. Obviously, we know that it is, it's all, it's a foregone conclusion because we know that he ends up in a, a mental institution. So whatever, he can't get rid of the, the manuscript. Hmm. So then he goes to see sort of Charlton Hest and he's like, tells him he doesn't know who, who he is and like, doesn't know styles that sent him and all this. So there's a little bit of a sort of, it's like, oh, and it turns out that the, the manuscript was delivered months ago. Yeah. And the book's been out for like seven weeks and the film is about the film adaptation is about to be released. Like, I, I, like immediately when he, when Heston said that, I was like, where the hell is Stan yeah, this whole now, time? It's a great. That's a great scene. That it was another another standout. It's like Charlton Heston just been like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. It's like you know, the book's been out. Yeah. So basically, this is the it's too late scene. Yes. Somebody was like, the wheels are <laughs> the emotion, yeah. and Heston's brilliant. He's like, um, he's never read it. No, <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. no. I don't read shit like that. 
<laughs> I might publish it, but I never read it. <laughs> and then again, this, this, um, you know, this, I forgot to mention this, like the bit on the bus. Oh, it's brilliant. With sort of, sort of the canes, like I turn everything blue, and it turns blue, and he's like playing with him, and it, yeah, just brilliant. It's, um, it's that gradual descent into madness that's mm. so well drawn. Yeah, it's like this is this is this is Sutter Kane kind of finally breaking Sam Neill's character. Yes, yeah, like, yeah. That's the bit where he's probably <clears throat> broken, isn't it? When mm. you're right, it's the blue bit, isn't it? Really, where yeah, yeah where Sam Neill properly breaks, and then and then obviously when he finds out that the book's out. Trent's like wandering around like the tramp. <laughs> you know? Well, he becomes essentially the agent like uh, from earlier yeah. on in the movie, doesn't he? With the same, yeah, yeah. similar kind of trench coat, uh, very similar axe. Mm. <laughs> Axes someone to death. <laughs> and so obviously, you know, as David Warner mentioned early on, that the world's just gone to shit because of these books. So he cuts back to the Institute, doesn't it? Yes. <clears throat> and then there's like... Uh, some sort of monster attack that's going on outside his cell, and it's like he's beginning to sort of again show signs that he's he's not very happy about how things have been going <laughs> recently. Uh, and then he he, he he escapes, and then I, look, I like, and that's another thing that Carter does, and he did it like in the in, in the fog. I'm sure he does it in lots of other films. Is that there's always radios playing in the background where they're talking about the events, so you just yes. hear little snatches of oh, and everything's going. There's a you know this world, you know this pandemic that's happening where everyone's going mad, and this or so. Just hear just enough for you to know that. I, I need to get a bit worried, uh, worried about this. So obviously, he get he gets left out, and there's just a brilliant like what again, a, such a satisfying ending to this film. It, so it so is because uh, I I love again the, uh, you know um, on as you mentioned about the radio. So when he gets out of the cell, because it's clear there's been some kind of attack on the institution that he's in. Or, or uh, either a riot from within or something like that. Mm-hmm. There's been a total social meltdown. And um, there are copies of Kane's books strewn around <laughs> all over the place. Yeah. Like, properly, it's like a signature. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. this definitely is why, you know, why the world has gone to pieces. Um, and at the same time, you can hear, like you said, the radio, like... Um, uh, unpredictable, violent outbursts across yeah. all <laughs> urban areas and all, all areas of, you know, like, uh, uh, and he's wandering around, um, and in his lovely outfit, the <laughs> the crayon straight <laughs> jacket, yeah. uh, and he goes to the movies. Yeah, because what wouldn't you do if the world's ending? What are you going to do? Oh, I just got to go and watch a film. I I don't often use this expression. But this, for me, is proper ballsy. This whole bit in the cinema is proper ballsy. <laughs> so, yeah, so he's just like, obviously, in a kind of like, it's almost like a bit like classic sci-fi or, you know, horror, you know, the, like wandering around, streets are, like, destroyed and everything's like, uh, there's, like, burning toilet paper being thrown around and thinking, <laughs> you know, oil drums and stuff. And he goes to the cinema and obviously, you know, he sees himself, so he goes. He goes into the cinema, and they're showing the the, the film adaptation of Hobbs End Horror, and he's the main character. So he ends up getting this sat absolute classic scene of him sat on his own, 
in his, you know, he gets popcorn. What else he got? Just think he got a drink or something, like a hot chocolate. It's brilliant. <laughs> and sits down and then looks up and he's watching what we've just basically witnessed. Yeah. Um, and just starts to laugh. And it's just a perfectly, you know, I suppose it's like the, the, the symmetry of the story just really comes in. Oh, yeah. And, and it, everything kind of yeah. like, ah, oh, right. Oh, that's such a, such a beautifully crafted little story that sort of folds in on itself. Yeah. In a kind of, like almost like, yeah, just it, it, it's a brilliant scene. In, in a way that you have to be so bold to write something like yeah. this. And you have to be so in control of what you're doing. And and again, what what you can't forget it, this is a sub 90 minute movie as well. Yeah, oh, there's like, so much that happens. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the, the, the distillation of story mm. um, is, is just so potent. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and achieving so much in a runtime, like it winds me up like mad when you know, like the next big blockbuster comes out, <sighs> it's two hours fifty minutes. And I it's know. Like, why we don't need this? You know, you, it, that's not necessary. You can tell mm. a perfectly brilliant story in ninety minutes. You know, mm. an hour. You know, I remember when it was like sorry, uh, two hours. Like you know, oh, is it a two hour? It's a two hour movie. And like, yeah. wow, I want to treat that one. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, like, exactly. now it's like you've got to actually like actively factor in toilet breaks now yes. for movies, yeah. which I just never see as necessary. You know, you know, and I said, there's a generation of kind of filmmakers who don't understand economy of, of filmmaking, Absolutely. of storytelling, of, of, of editing, and that you can tell stuff in a second, you know, a, a second scene can explain something, whether it's a shot, whether it's, a, you know, a, you know, a bit of dialogue or just the way you cut it can, can express so many different things. And I think that now that if you can't tell a story, you know, under three hours or even two hours to a certain extent, it's just like, what are you doing? Why are we still here? You know, at the amount of times you go and watch a film, you're like, there's another hour here now. It's like, what are well, they going to do now? What was it like? Let's say, for example, like that um, Avengers. Uh, mm. uh, and well, is it? Well, like, was it three hours? Yeah, something right. like that. So, so, but it was also two hundred million dollars to make one. Mm. Like better writing, you can do that movie for a hundred. Yeah, no, I completely agree. You know, yeah, I think that- or, or more, more effective storytelling. Yes. I think I'll put yeah. it like that. I won't denigrate it, the writers because we're it's all just. Yeah. There's a lot of padding, and it feels like there's a lot of scenes that were, and this is something that on here or FYR or really the Below Seven kind of podcast is that we're all advocates of the you know sort of showing stuff. You don't have to explain everything mm. in detail. You know, people's actions, the way that they look, and all the kind of stuff that I mentioned before can just it can be as emotion as. as as, as detailed or more have more of an emotional impact than having someone actually say something. And I think that, that I think we've lost, I, I don't know if that's to do with the way that, you know, streaming services where people will happily sit down for six hours, you know, and watch episode after episode of something. Mm. But I, I do miss the, the, you know, the sort of the economy of this is the story. This is what we've got. Let's keep it as tight as we possibly can, because we want like, I suppose when it comes to, you know, like reading like Elmore Leonard's like tips for writing, mm. you know, don't write what the or readers skip. <laughs> you know, it's like it's as simple <laughs> as that. If you think you're going to kind of like, I'm going to skip this or you start, you know, you think about, shall I pick up my phone? Don't include that. Get rid that of it. That is so good. That is what a great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think about his, you know, his tips the a tip, lot, yeah. but like I, I find myself unable to, 
act upon it. I'm not brave enough, you know, like <laughs> well, so many of his things. I'm not. Yeah, well, it, it, yeah, a long enough career to, to be have, you know, to be able to have the confidence. Yeah, like, actually, I'm not going to do that. But oh, I've got a question for you, Chris. If I might ask this, um, what do you think? What do you think this was all about? Like so the, the 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 darkness that came to, and how it came to civilization in this movie. What do you think this was? That's a good question. I suppose pretty cop out here and say it's almost like a Nigel Neal type thing, and that's also a Lovecraftian thing that these things have been here before humans were. That we are only here for a short period of time in the you know the the age of the planet and the universe and stuff. I think that it's I think that's where the, the sort of the monsters and the the stuff that he resurrects. But I think the story is itself about writing. I don't know. It's an interesting one. I think it's kind of. Um, I don't know if it's using that that device to say that you can't kind of you know your fate is what it is. It's quite fatalistic. Is that no matter what you can do, you can try and rewrite where you're going, but <laughs> you know the 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 world's got a plan for you type thing. So what about you? I took it like uh, probably very very literally in a sense that I thought that um, Kane and his work were knocking on the door to darkness for some time. Mm. and he knocked once too hard, opened something that consumed him, which is, this is a leap, because we never we never actually met, properly mm. met the character of Sutter Kane at all in this movie. By continuing to write, having him knock the door ajar, he unlo- unleashed pure darkness, mm. and it was unstoppable once he'd done so. Um and I love the fact that there's a bit of me who, you know, given given my job and given how I feel about books, I love that the fact that the end of the world happened was because of a book. <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah, which is, I don't know, which sort of seems so believable because, you know, you've got like, I don't know, for me, like over the years, particularly as a kid, like, oh, the, the, you know, these like texts, like these like, illuminated manuscripts from the past, you know, like I remember when, um, was it Nost- Nostramus, was it? That was the, the, you know, the guy who predicted the future. Oh, Nostradamus. Nostradamus, yes, yeah, sorry. And it, that that was, that became a big thing when I was a teenager. There's like, always in like, I can't remember what it was. It wasn't the works, but it was a similar kind of like pound shop kind of. Yeah. You know, but they had piles of these ones about like, oh, and on, you know, May 1989, this will happen. I'm like, that sounds like, I always found that quite scary because it's like, what happens if it did? you know you laugh them off but the odds of it happening so i think that maybe you know the film itself is also about like the power of the written word and you know like be careful what you're writing about because you might unearth something you know like in the same way that you know start people start you know like in horror films start dicking around with spells and all sorts of stuff and you know, like Ouija yeah. boards being like, "What are you doing?" Well, I like it's just uh, a similar thing. You're you're right, and like how there are forces that we don't understand, um, mm. and things that we don't understand, and that we never na- never quite understand how we might provoke them. Yeah, you know, and I love and- that, that, that. Almost like that through his writing, he sort of manifests them. Yeah, and then they control him, so he sort of he. They're sort of feed, they're feeding off each other, like he, they're, they're controlling him, 
and his writing is kind of making them more because people are reading about them. I suppose it's a bit like 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 the Candyman. It's like if if people don't know about these mythical like kind of characters, then they just they're just dead. They need yeah. people to know about them to to become you know they're like these dead gods and stuff. I, I think it's. Uh, yeah, I think it's really interesting. Uh, really, man, this, uh, this is pretty good. You're getting a bit highbrow. <laughs> <laughs> the big ex- existential question. Yeah, it is. No, it, but, it, but it does, you know, for all this is, you know, like it could be very easily dismissed as, mm. oh, it's like it's a, you know, it's a doomsday creature feature or whatever. That yeah, kind of, exactly. Know, yeah, yeah, but you can't dismiss it that way. This is about, you know, um, existence and... Uh, uh, I don't know what is it about. <laughs> I don't, but, but, uh, <laughs> and I think that's what I love about this film. I feel like that you could spend a fair amount of time thinking about what, what you know, what, what who does you know, what does Sussex Kane's like writing represent, mm. or who is he, and what 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 is the, the the you know these creatures? Are they are we meant to take them literally? Is it about you know? delving into his own kind of soul he actually uncovered something he didn't you know the 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 dark like you say the darkness that's it kind of in him but also i can watch it because it's a great story and it's got sam neil in it who's ace and the effects are brilliant and it's like i say it rattles along at a great pace mm. And he get bookended with uh, John Carpenter's um, Enter Sandman cover version, <laughs> <laughs> which again, not like. Like, the, uh, like the bookends never stop in this movie. Like, yeah. oh great! <laughs> no, it, I, like, and, and when it was finished, uh, it, like, I was thinking, like, yeah, that was Ace. Like, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, that was just Ace. I love that. Yeah, two two big thumbs up from me. I think that, as I was saying, say, I, I think it gets better with each viewing because. The stuff that I miss every time, which is whether it's the the brilliant kind of like almost like hard boiled dialogue, uh, the humour, yeah, the, like the way it's shot, um, just the story in itself being this lovely kind of like I say this like little puzzle, yeah. That the, there is a bit of a detective story in there that you've got like these. It's just a bit fucking weird, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that you know that it's uh, it's just it's just really good fun. It's really good fun, yeah. and it doesn't take itself too seriously. And like I say, I think it was interesting when I saw an, a little interview with John Carpenter. He said because Sam Neill is excellent in this, and he said that Sam Neill saw this as a comedy and played it that way. And I just <laughs> think that actually, and it works well for the characters. This character who's so cynical, he feels like it's also a bit kind of uh, you know, so he's, he's, he, you know, he looks down at a lot of this. Oh, he does. You know, yeah, he's sort yeah. of a bit supercilious. Always the, the way through. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it just works perfectly well with that kind of, like I say, that hard-boiled, like, Raymond Chandler-esque kind of, you know. He is. He is like um, like a, a, a slimeball Marlowe, isn't he, yeah, for yeah. a lot of this? You know, like, it, yeah. it, it, and it works so great for it. No, I did, there's there's very little about this film. No, there is nothing about this film that I didn't enjoy. Actually, there, there really isn't, and no beat felt false or anything like that. There was nothing no. that I thought I thought fell flat or anything like that. I thought the um, the early like there is a bit. Of, there's like a five minute sequence before when um, uh, Trent Grant, 
Trent Grant, sorry, <laughs> where Sam Neill goes, Grant, sorry, <laughs> where yeah. Sam Neill goes to the um, publishers and resolves that he's going to read some of the books. Mm. And there's a five minute sort of like of him, like, like it's just character work and mm. atmosphere of mm. in a 90 minute movie mm. of him, you know, getting to grips with the books, but also the cost there's the, the very slight early cost of what those books are having mm. on him, and it's just great. Yeah. Is there any sort of standout scenes or anything for you? Was it just an overall kind of like just enjoyable um, ride? It, it was all it was all totally enjoyable. Um, I mean, anytime Sam Neill is on screen, I'm enjoying mm-hmm. it very very much. Yeah. Um, but I'm enjoying it the whole time anyway. Um, Standout is uh, there were a lot that was really funny, like not j- just because I I love what I'm looking at, you know. Like so, there's one bit where um, Sam Neill runs out of the hotel, and this is when he's in Hobbs End, and things are happening, bad things are happening, and he turns and has a look, and there is like a literal creature in the <laughs> window of one yeah. of the, and, and like a like a spawning, glistening, horrible, mm. slimed creature. And he looks at it and just looks down at the keys like, oh, dear. <laughs> just like, <laughs> he's like, he, like, there's a toss-up in that moment between whether it's, is he so jaded by this way he doesn't care? Or does he still think this is one big ruse? Like, yeah, decent effects. I just enjoyed it a lot. As our other famous horror writer, crime writer, <laughs> you know, what have you been working on? Anything? Oh, Anything yeah. you've published to do? On the horror front, I mean, I was last on the Tapes podcast when Blackstoke came out, and I've always wanted to go back to something dark and a little bit more unpredictable, uh, that kind of thing. So I've written something that is with publishers at the moment that a deal is being mooted on, and I think we will see it in with a with a with a you know with a strong tailwind. We should see it in 2023. Other than that, I'm writing two true crime podcasts for the Noiser Network, um, which I'm really enjoying because I am learning a lot doing that, mm. and I'm meeting some very, very, very interesting people doing that. Um, and then we've got the third in the Thirty Miles trilogy will be out in spring 2023 as well. So I, that is actually due on Friday. So it's it's Tuesday night right now, listeners, and. Uh, the next draft is due in on Friday. I'm ahead of the game. I'm on. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm hanging in there. But it's all. Yeah. No. I'm just. I can't. I can't. Truthfully, Chris. You know, as um, a kid who loves stories, I can't believe I get to do what I do. Mm. So I. Uh, every day is just a happy day, and the day that I decide it's not a happy day is uh, there's no point doing it anymore. You know, like I can't believe how lucky I am. Seriously. 